Hi, I'm Katie Kempner, and welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I am so excited to be speaking today with Candy Carter. Hey, Candy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And I thought instead of trying to give some kind of little bio, because your life and your career has been and is so impressive, maybe I should just jump in and uh, have you explain to us the dream career that you have had so far. It's funny because everybody thinks it's a dream career on the outside, but I, my <laughs> analogy is when you go to a high-end resort and they say, oh, Mrs. Carter, hi. And you see that same person at six o'clock in the morning. And you see that same person at 12 o'clock at night saying, Mrs. Carter, how's your stay? That's my life. We're the people saying, hey, <laughs> it looks glamorous, but we put in long hours in television, but I have a television career 30 years. I know I don't look that old. You uh, definitely the, don't. Who can't see me. Um, I started uh, in television right out of college at CNN. Um, I worked in Milwaukee. I was at Oprah for 15 years until the show ended, which was an incredible ride. Um, I was there from the age of 26 to 42. I raised capital. I had a production company. I did a bunch of shows with um, different networks, Tyler Perry, uh, BET, um, launched two talk shows for telepictures and then the view came a call in. So went in and, um, helped the view get to number one, um, which was fantastic for about five and a half years. And then I jumped over under the Disney umbrella to help out the Tamron Hall show. Um, and you know, during that time we were nominated for seven Emmys, which is great over a couple of years. And then I most recently, um, made the transition to e-commerce. So I'm at a production company slash e-commerce company called Knocking, like knock on a door, knocking.com. And we basically sit between brands and media companies and we help brands get on media companies. And when we air e-commerce, the media companies make money, the brands make money and we make money. So it's something that when you're on the television side, like I was as an executive producer, you're looking for non-traditional revenue because the ratings are down, the ad dollars are going all over the place to streaming networks. And this is a really exciting pioneering space that I just jumped into. And it's a tech company, which is very cool. So there's the summary. Well, it all sounds fabulous. Let me ask you a question. Throughout your career, and I know what you mean about a dream job, however it looks, you know, you have to put in the work. And was there one thing where you said, now it's time to move on? Did you kind of plan it out or did you just sort of go with the flow? Because there's really very different ways of trying to figure out your career. It's interesting. People ask me that a lot. And it's like, I'm just a hustler. You know, when I talk to young people, I always say, I'm a hustler, baby. I just want you to know, because from day one, I knew I wanted to work in TV. I just knew I wanted to work in television and I was going to make it happen. It took me 11 months to get a job out of college. I didn't just get a job. I was like working at the Gap Outlet and telemarketing and, you know, all my friends had jobs and I didn't. So I've always been very focused on learning how to do television, teaching myself. If I got in a shop, I just taught myself everything. And, you know, I'm always looking and searching and talking to people. And I always say, I don't turn anything down with my collar. And I went to visit my parents in Milwaukee and I started knocking on doors at TV stations and one you know, one station let me in. And they were like, oh my God, you're so fun. Blah, 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 blah. And three months later, they offered me a job. I'm like, yes, because I say yes to everything. So packed my stuff, moved to Milwaukee. And I was there for a couple of years. And then I, 
we did a show at the Oprah show with all of the affiliates that aired the show. And while I was there, I was talking to everybody. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And they're like, oh, you should apply. I'm like, I never get hired here. They're like, just apply. I'm like, okay. So of course I did it. And a week later I was hired at Harpo. So for me, I always say like, I just, I'm the chick who like jumps off the building and I, I know a parachute's coming at some point. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not really that worried about it. I haven't hit the ground yet. But um, so no, nothing has really been planned. I've just been really hustling for opportunities. And then when I would get the opportunity, I would hustle within the opportunity to teach myself more, to learn more, teach myself how to produce, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's kind of been my road up until this current transition. For the first time in my entire career, I was able to take a breath. I transitioned off the Tamron Hall show in October and I traveled for four months. It was when COVID had kind of died down a little bit. And I went to Newport and I sat on the rocks and I just meditated and I, you know, took in the air and, and just sat still. I talked to people and I was like, wow, I've been working for 30 years. I've done incredible things but I'm working like I'm three years out of college. I'm doing 17 hour days, six days a week, you know, stress. My hands were hurting because I was sleeping with my hands balled up so tight. And I was like, I'm 53 years old and friends are dying and having strokes and heart attack. I just talked to somebody who had a massive heart attack at 53. And it's been a huge paradigm shift for me to say, I have 30 years of experience. I'm going to take that experience and work smarter right? I'm going to help and grow a business without having to kill myself to do it, right? And be in environments that aren't healthy, you know? And I just, quite frankly, I tell friends, I'm, I'm like the Gen Zers and the millennials. I want more for me. I need them. I need my me time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I remember young people in my office would say, I need a, you know, mental health day or whatever. And older folks like us and older would be like, oh, these kids, they're soft, whatever. And now, you know, I'm like, hey, there's some value to that right? Really like taking that in. And I think the pandemic made it even more so since people were forced to really take a break, although not stop working, which actually made, you know, a lot of other issues. But for me, it was not traveling, you know, that I was able to take a break mentally a bit and just say, wait a second, is this how I want to do this anymore? Is this how I want to do this anymore? I think that's very important for women to reevaluate as they go along in their careers. I'm I'm 52. Same thing, you know, think like, wait a second. I see people, you know, mm-hmm. just hustling every second. You can be a hustler and also be listening to your intuition. I think that's the thing. It's not one or the other, right? No, it's not. And it's funny because I've adopted this new thing in my in my life. And I say, and I tell my husband and I force him to do it. I live my life now, like I'm on vacation. And I say that because, you know, somebody said to me once real shit happens after 50 and it just does. And I don't know if we're closer to, you know, we're, we've, we've crossed the, you know, the 50 mark. So we're everything, you know, we're headed closer to, you know, leaving this earth than before. And we're maybe more aware of it, but I live my life like I'm on vacation. So we have a front porch And I put heat lamps out there and I put, I got heated blankets from Costco and I would sit outside and have my coffee because if I was at a resort, I wouldn't stay in the hotel room. I'd go sit on the patio, even if it was chilly. Right. And that's, you know, I've just had this paradigm shift of like taking some life, you know, slow down, work smarter. And I, and I don't know that I could say this 10 years ago because I didn't have 
the work experience under my belt. I think when you mm-hmm. get to a certain age and you've worked for a certain amount of time, you can reevaluate and say, I can still be impactful. I can still be a boss. I can still, you know, make moves in the industry. I just don't have to kill myself. Right. Like just take a beat and see what's out there, you know, and work smarter. I think a lot of that also is working smarter, not necessarily depending what kind of industry you're in, because you may not have that luxury, but in a lot of cases it's working smarter, not necessarily a million hours a day. Yeah. And I think, look, I think the part when you mentioned the pandemic, the thing that impacted me during the pandemic are there are all these things that I've wanted to do that I haven't been able to do because I've worked in corporate entities or I've worked in places where I can't just go pitch a show. You know, I can't go write a book. I can't serve on a corporate board. You know, that's not allowed. And so for the first time, that was one of the things like people during the pandemic said, I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit out, let people know that I'm available, work on these ideas I've had, do this. I just sold a show to a major network. You know, Congratulations. Right. But because I allowed the space to do it, right? I've gone from job to job to job to job to job. I do. And you look up and you're 53. You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh my gosh. So I think just like taking a beat, slowing down, making space available to do these things that I want to do. And that's what the pandemic did for me. You also mentioned something that I think is really important for working women. I mean, working everybody, but you tell everybody what you're looking for. I just had lunch the other day with a friend of mine who is a very, very successful cosmetic dermatologist. And she wants to begin to be on boards. And she said, you know, Katie, you should be on boards too. I said, well, I don't know if I want that. She said, but if you do, you need to do what I did. Everybody I meet, I tell them, I like to be on a board. I'm interested in that now. And, you know, maybe somebody would have never considered her for a board and now they would have. So Letting people know what you're looking for in a non, non-pushy way, because people don't like that either, is, is a really important thing to do to stand up for your, not, not stand up for yourself, but let people know your intentions and what you're looking for. So that's, that's an amazing great. point. Well, no, I always say like a vision board is, I, I swear by the vision board. And I will tell you why, because a vision board to me is like um, when you, if you were to go out and buy a yellow car. You never had a yellow car. You go buy a yellow car, you get on the highway, and all of a sudden you see a million yellow cars. They were always right there, right? But because it's front of mind, now you notice it. Those opportunities are swimming around us all the time. But until we name it and call it and see it and create intention, right, you don't notice it. And so that's what a vision board does. And I've done vision. I did a vision board in the past. And to me, it's life-changing because all it does is put what you want front of mind. And because it's there, you then begin to see it in your life all over the place. Do you mean an actual, like you cut and pasted a poster or you? All right. Okay. This is what you, my, this is what a vision board looks like for me. Please share. It's two, two things. One is just a list of five goals. Because mm-hmm. nothing's real unless you write it down. And that's true for finances. People are like, oh my God, I, I thought I made a lot of money. I don't know where my money goes. Write it down. You'll see exactly where your money goes, right? You write it down, it's real. Three goals. Don't, I mean, don't do more than three. And put it in your closet. Every day you wake up, you look and you go, here are my three goals. So then you have shape, intention, and mission, right? And so when you're out and about, because you're looking at that every day, you will, you will go in that direction. You will make the right choices, right? 
opportunity is more than just wanting something, right? It's knowing where it is and knowing when to take advantage of the opportunity. And if it's not front of mind, you're going to miss it. And so the other piece is I cut out, I did, I did a straight up, like got some magazines and cut stuff out. One was about um, lifestyle, right? One was about eating and diet. One was about vacation and one was about family, right? And for me at the time, and a lot of women I know can relate to this, I would just come in the house. I never sat and eat. I never, I would never sit down to eat. I was always walking and eating because I'm feeding other people and, you know, I'm on the phone or I'm checking a text message. And I was like, that was one of my goals. I put a chair and I put the word sit down and eat. And just like slowing down to do something that simple, put my, I had an X through a phone so that when I come in the house, I'm not on my phone that I can actually give attention to the people in my life, you know? So, and, it, and it's valuable because I would wake up in the morning, I'd look at it and remind myself, okay, when I come back or when I go downstairs, I'm going to say hello. How many times have people who are so busy, you see your child for the first thing in the morning, everybody's racing to get out of school. There's no like, you know, hey, honey, how are you? Big hug, good morning. There's none of that. It's like, you got your lunch, you going? Honey, I got to go, blah, blah, boom, everybody's out. Like at some point we have to slow down, right? And that's where I am in my life. But I, I, I want to do it before it's too late, before something happens where I could have just hugged my child and said, I love you in the morning, right? So you're, you're absolutely right. And then they grow up and they leave. Fine, <laughs> and then, right. <laughs> although sometimes they come back briefly, then they leave again. <laughs> so, right. And you miss that yeah. time. <laughs> A lot of folks had them the whole pandemic. There's that, but okay. I'm an old mom. I have a 13-year-old and a 19-year-old with special needs, so he'll always be with us, but I'm like 53 with a 13-year-old, so I'm like that old mom in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's good, though. I had my kids on the very, you know, on the younger side, and I, I always feel it would have been smarter to maybe have waited a little more. But and now you're free. There's yeah, that. Right. <laughs> I have these, and I have these great adult kids, you know, young adult kids yeah. that are so much fun and their own people. But so I wanted to ask you something um, before we, there's so much I want to talk with you about, but I want to talk with you about your TEDx talk. It was so good about oh. truth, about speaking the truth. And let me just uh, preface this by saying, I am the daughter of a philosopher a philosophy professor. So truth, speaking the truth always had in a different way than your talk had a lot of meaning in my family. But can you share a little bit about what your talk was about? Well, it's interesting because I say, you know, you can say things with love. And I think it's so important to just be honest with people. And I think in so many ways we teach our children, you know, I, I start the talk by saying, you know, we were at a barbecue and our, my godfather used to burn the chicken all the time. I would love to have just said to him, like, is it possible to get a piece that's not burnt? Because I really don't like burnt chicken. But my mom says, you be quiet. Give me that. Be quiet. Just peel it off and eat it. We're taught at a very young age to, to tell white lies or to not be honest with people and not tell the truth. And when I had my production company, we used to pitch shows in LA. And, you know, I noticed we fell for it the first time, but the executives will say anything in the room because they don't want to hurt your feelings. You know, they don't want to say anything that you're there, you're pitch, you get all the way to Los Angeles and you want to pitch your show and you're all excited and they don't want to hurt your feelings. But wouldn't it be better to tell me the truth than to have me go back and you ghost me for two weeks and I'm thinking I'm selling a show and you never call? And so that was kind of the basis of my TED talk. And, you know, in work and in life, I try to be, I wanted to be honest with people. But what I realized is not only is it hard to tell people the truth, but people don't want to hear it. 
you know, and, and I understand that. And so um, you think about reviews at work, all of it. And so I would just say to people, you know, I would say the truth with a little bit of humor and, and at the end just say, said with love, you know, and people chuckle, but they can hear it. And I just think there's an opportunity for all of us to be able to like, be more honest in our interactions with people, because if your intention is to help somebody, then it's okay to tell the truth, but you can always tag on said with love, you know, as a way to kind of like soften the blow. Um, but I do believe that if your intention is in the right place, it's something I learned from Oprah, intention, intention, intention. If your intention is authentically to help somebody, then it's okay to be honest. If your intention is to be nasty or to hurt somebody, then keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, that's great advice. And I want to make sure to talk with you. You, you mentioned Oprah. I, I would love to talk with you about media and where media is today and the type of you know shows that you've worked on, because there's such an opportunity to bring people together. And at the same time, the media has also become incredibly divisive. And I'm curious for having spent so much time in the media world, what role do you see media having now and specifically on these kind of talk shows, but what role do you see media having now? It's such a broad question because there's yes. so many. <laughs> I know there is. I mean, there's a, look, the bottom line is media is what is, is where you go, right? right? So it used to be when you only had the three big networks and a couple of cable channels, it was like, you could really be upset if the media was really right or left or, you know, all of the above. But now there's so many places to go. You could literally never look at news and be entertained 24 hours a day. There's so many streaming channels and everything. I will say for traditional talk shows and opinion shows, they reflect what's happening in the world, right? We, we had a very polarizing political situation for like the last four years or whatever, five years. And media reflects that, right? And so if you're into that, then you get sucked into that world. I think social media is as powerful as media, right? That's a big change. Like it used to be media and social media. Now it's like arguably social media, media. Social media is breaking stories on Twitter and places before it even gets to the media. So it's just a really interesting time. And then I'm now in e-commerce. That's a whole nother part of media, right? That we know e-commerce like Amazon, right? But now we're seeing this ability to buy things while you're watching television. That's incredible, yeah. you know? So this, and advertising, like will e-commerce kind of, you know, if e-commerce is here and low and advertising's up here, do they then start meeting? Are they getting closer together? There's a lot happening. Does the traditional talk show go away? Look at Red Table Talk, hugely successful on Facebook, Yep. right? Are expensive daytime shows a thing of the past? You know, will we see more local news? I mean, there's just so, it's a broad question because there's a lot going on in the industry. You just had a huge merger. So now you've got these big behemoth media companies. What does that mean? What's happening with Netflix? There, you know what I mean? There's just so much. Is it a terrific time to be going into the field of media, which, as you say, is incredibly broad and being able to? you know, build your own thing or, I mean, that really, you have the opportunity now. My son is a musician and you don't even need to be with a record label. So everything's no. changed. And that's really the case, as you say, also, if you look at Red Table or a lot of different things, people are building their own brands. I tell people, don't sit around and wait for anybody to green light any content. 
Content mm -hmm. is king and distribution is everywhere. And if you look at, um, oh God, I forgot the singer's name, but she created her songs in her bedroom, in her closet. And she's a mega star. You mean Billie so, Eilish? Billie Eilish. Yeah. So I mean, you don't, and this is why I tell kids all the time and even folks who want to transition, just get a get your iPhone and go shoot a movie. You can yeah. go shoot a movie on your iPhone. You already have editing software on your phone. It's simple. You can teach yourself how to do anything on YouTube. So if people really want to do something, there's actually no excuse for not doing it. I always say, do one thing every day. If people want to follow you and hear more about your projects, what's the best way to, to see what you're up to? Uh, LinkedIn, Candy with an I, Candy Carter. And I'm on Instagram, um, Candy Carter TV, I think. <laughs> um, that's the best way I would say Instagram and uh, LinkedIn and candycarter.com is my website. You can email me there. Well, Candy Carter, I would love to just end by asking you one more question, which is if there's one piece of advice that you could please share with us that has helped you through your life and your career. Be impeccable. I can go back and you can ask people who've worked for me 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm always kind. My door is always open. I'm not a screamer. I do not yell. And I work in a business where that's celebrated. And I do think, and even in life, that you can be impeccable and kind to people and still be very successful. And I just think sometimes people don't think that those things go hand in hand, but they absolutely do. And I try my best to build cultures of nice people. Be wow. the Southwest Airlines in your own life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. And what else can we say? <laughs> Candy, thank you so much for your time. This was so much fun. Thank you. 